This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Hello, everyone. We are back with another podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Ackridge. And this podcast, we are lucky to be speaking with Miss Wallenbeck. And she works with the NC State Counseling Center. And she's also a mental health advocate as well. And I'm just excited to do this podcast because this, these, the past two years have been a lot for us mentally. So I'm going to let you dive right in and just give us a little bit of background and we'll go from there. Awesome. I, I feel so lucky to be here. You are absolutely right. The last few years has been a lot. And I feel like over and over and over, I say like, this is hard because it's actually really hard and not because anyone is doing it wrong, right? Um, being human is already a challenge. Life is full of joys and struggles and pain. And um, that is the case all the time. Um, and the added pressure of being in a global pandemic and all the things that have happened because of that, you know, job insecurity, health insecurity, um, loss of uh, classes and community, all sorts of things. It's, it's, been, a ch it's been challenging um, and it's true. It's been, it's, it's been hard for all of us. And even as a mental health professional, I'm right in there with you, right? It's, it's also been hard for me too. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm so glad that we have this time to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much for just validating everyone's experience, just because personally, you know, I was excited to come back to school. Yeah. I was, I was like, I'm going to have in-person classes again. I'm going to get to ex like explore my options with career again, physically. Yeah. And I'm also going to be able to connect with my professor. Little did I know I got back on campus. And things are not the same as it as when we left freshman year, no. second semester. No. Well, for me, freshman year, um, second semester. Um, I got back and the community was in drought. You know, yep. the professors were trying to get back into teaching in person. Mm -hmm. Testing is, you know, testing in college is always going to be difficult. But when yep. you're testing on, online versus testing in, in person or like, in a physical class, it's, it's definitely, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Studying is different. People's social interactions are just different. Yeah, and, you know, right. mm -hmm. we did go through a entire, we did go through an entire pandemic. So val that's valid that things are going to be different, but I can definitely, you know, we're going to dive into this a little <laughs> bit during our conversation, but, uh -huh. you know, I don't know how well the universities over nationwide equipped us to come back to, to in-person class. Yeah. So yeah. I guess the first question, you know, let's just go ahead and tackle that yeah. first thing is, do you think that we were mentally prepared to come back to campus after a uh, almost a two year pandemic? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, yes and no. I mean, I don't know how anyone is ever prepared for something that they've never experienced. Right. There's a certain part of it that you learn by going through it. And I think that there's really, there's like larger issues at stake uh, or, to, or to consider like just mental health in general. How does our culture and how does our education system, even from preschool, actually even talk about mental health and give us like mental hygiene skills, right? How many times have we had like the dentist come in and teach us how to brush our teeth, even in class or the policeman or like the fireman, we've learned all these things. But how many classes have you had about mental hygiene? and how to take care of your mind, not just your body. So, you know, I would say maybe like overarching. I don't know if anyone has actually in America had very good skills on dealing with hard things. And, um, and, and then there's, you know, coming back to the university, 
I think there were things that we didn't anticipate um, and things that we did, but it also things were just kind of going to move forward. I think sometimes the finances of the school push through right. um, in, in ways that don't necessarily always take care of us as individuals. And here we are trying to cope with it, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And I definitely think that the pandemic did a lot of harm, you know, yeah. it really oh, did. Oh, yeah. um, but yes. also it brought a lot of things to light. Yeah. And one of the one of the biggest things that it brought to light one of the biggest things for me, um, besides the many things, was burnout yeah. on, in, a, in, a, in an academic sense. Mm -hmm. um, college burnout is real. Life burnout is real. Yes. You, know, yes. you, can, you can experience burnout at any level of your life. But the thing is, and I, it's funny because I'm actually do, I'm reading an article about this in my psychology class, but basically okay. burnout, <laughs> right, burnout leads to um, lack of empathy because if you if they they were doing a study on college students and one of the one of the key points that they took away from is that college students that when they experience burnout they tend to only think about themselves because they're so burnt out from utilizing all of their mental capacity they don't have time to think about others and you know thinking about others and putting um, yourself in other shoes is the main source of empathy yep. and so um, burnout does lead, lead to many things but you know one of the things is lack of empathy so and, and how that affects goes, us as a community exactly I was how well can we say, even connect with each other mm -hmm. right exactly so if everybody's burnt out from school or just the pandemic then how are we going to build a community because nobody knows how each, we, uh, we feel about each other and and it's it's uh like a it is definitely a mental thing and an emotional thing and it also affects us physically Right. I feel like over and over, I don't know if I've had a single client that hasn't said like, I'm having a hard time just focusing. I feel more tired. I'm more anxious, right? I, I feel like I can't show up to the things I want to show up in, right? Um, there's a physical side to it as well um, and a mental side. And I think um, in some ways we've been maybe caught off guard on both, on both, uh, in both arenas. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about mental health resources, because I feel like a lot of students, you know, a lot of students, they know about therapy, but they don't know what therapy can offer. Or yeah. mm -hmm. they know about therapy and they have so many preconceived notions or like prejudgments about therapy. So yeah. could you, could you just um, clear the air and just talk a little bit about what you do within your work and why that work is so powerful? Oh yeah, I, I love you kind of brought up some of our preconceived notions, right? Even when I think about what counselors look like on TV, um, some of that's really true and some of it, it really isn't. And I think there's also an idea that, um, that you ha your problem has to be big enough or bad enough or serious enough in order to come to therapy and see a counselor or see a mental health professional. Um, and then you kind of get into this game of like, is it bad enough? Uh, and then you start kind of comparing your grief or your pain to someone else's. And that's just never really helpful. Um, so in the work that I do, you know, I, I would say even with my colleagues, it's, there's a whole spectrum from I'm having a hard time focusing in class and, or getting out of bed. Um, can we talk about that? Or I have a, a relationship that just isn't going the way I want it to. Can we talk about that? Um, or something really serious, like I was violated and I don't feel safe anymore. How do I go on? So the concerns that we get are, are you name it, right? Anything that, anything that a human being experiences. So addictive behaviors, relationships with others, relationships with yourself, um, experience with anxiety, experience with depression, um, just feeling like you're not yourself, how to better take a test. you like, what happens with social anxiety? What happens with test anxiety? Um, how to have more purpose, how to live the life that you want. We do career coaching. So maybe I'm not in the right major. How do I even figure that out? Um, so it's, it's quite broad and we can also be really, really specific in a particular goal that you want to focus on. Yeah. What is, is that surprising for you to even hear? Yes, it is. Just because, you know, 
Um, I started utilizing therapy resources my sophomore year of college during the pandemic. So this was uh, freshman year. We got kicked off second semester. Then we came back three weeks and I was like, okay, maybe life is normal. You know, we came back and of course, actually, uh, let me rephrase that. Life wasn't normal. Um, but we were, I thought that we were adjusting back to a new, a new way of living. Um, so we got back and I was like, okay, we're going back to person. You know, we got to wear our mask and whatnot, but that was just not the case because at three weeks later, students got sent home. So my world got flipped once again Uh from, from second semester freshman year. And now first semester of my sophomore year. And a lot of things were going like um, some a friend from my hometown had you know ended her life and whatnot, yes. and so I knew that it was it was just one specific week, um, and I just didn't feel like myself. So I was you know you get what do you do? You get on your phone and Google search why am I feeling why am I feeling weird or why am I not feeling normal? And then why am you, I not feeling anything? Right? Why am I exactly. not exactly? Yeah. So you go through this loophole of this search and you know self-diagnosing yourself and and then you know something inside of me just said hey reach out to the counseling center so I I started to get my therapy and I started receiving those services and then you know I'm not going to say that my life changed drastically immediately but I can totally see a complete difference from when I first started therapy till now and I'm still continuing because even if I don't have issues, I need to check in with myself. I need to have, and you should, just a little disclaimer, I feel like you should check in with yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Just, having mm-hmm. an hour, just having an appointed hour every month to check in with yourself is like yeah. necessary to continue the development of your life. Yeah. You know, because just like we go to the hospital, we go to, we go to checkups for kids. Yeah. We go to checkups for our dental health, hygiene, whatnot. Why, why don't, why doesn't, why isn't mental health incentivized or like, why isn't mental health yeah. incentivized as much? Yeah. So, and, and could you just, answer that? Yeah, why isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Why isn't it? Why isn't it? Oh man, that's such a good question. Why isn't it? I mean, I, I'm also come from like the social science background. So I always think about systems, like who benefits from us actually not taking care of ourselves, you know? Um, that kind of gets into some some big deep waters, but I I also in even in that discussion, like I just want to claim my own value that I I have values around equity that every single person is a sacred individual and deserves the same opportunities and consideration and compassion, and so because of that, from that just basic belief, I think that I deserve care and rest and to be the best person I can be um, given my circumstances. Um, Just like a well-oiled machine, you know, like a, I don't know, a a Ferrari is going to receive a lot of attention to make sure all of its components are working well. I deserve that care too, Um, It involves maintenance, like you said. It also involves like prioritizing it. It involves of scheduling it, it um, and also the joy of knowing that you're, you're like your cylinders are striking, right? Like it's, exactly. it can be a joyful experience. Um, and so I wanna live a life that's rich and meaningful. And what does that mean for me? It means I need to take care of myself. Other people right. might find other answers to that question, but I can't think of a single person that wouldn't benefit from talking uh, thoughtfully about who they want to be, what type of person they want to be in the world, um, what type of relationships they want to have and how to actually make it happen. And I totally agree with that. So I would also just like to point out, you know, TRIO is a marginalized first generation serving um, institution technically of a program. So, you know, I'm first gen, Uh African-American male, all all the things. Yep. Could you all the more reason all the more reason right right um within your within your research i just had a quick question within your research why has um mental health been stigmatized in our community through your research 
in the in the first gen community yeah, or like, within, well, the black like within, within the black community within the black community mm -hmm. i feel a little nervous answering that question as someone who's not part of that community but i can speak to it some i think there's a lot of really great reasons why black americans actually black people around the world globally um mistrust and should actually mistrust the medical professions um, mm -hmm. I think there's actually been a lot of harm done in the treatment of African Americans through history. So I right. think there's a, it actually, a lot of it comes from a protective and adaptive place that I don't know if you've, if African Americans have always been able to actually trust mental health providers. So part of me is like, there's a good reason that maybe there's a stigma there. And right. I think we've also done a lot to, um, have more understanding and equity in this field and um, and even have better access. So there's issues, there's issues of access, right? Any kind of mental health care, any kind of physical care comes at a cost in our country. And black Americans have been disenfranchised on every front <laughs> historically. So access is part of the, the issue as well. Um, not having representation uh, with black counselors um, has been a huge issue. Uh, right, exactly. I, I think I think for that reason, a lot of black students uh, and and within black communities, they tend to find care in other places, kind of within their community. So we see a, a lot of black students actually receive care within their faith communities, for example, um, and that makes a lot of sense. I often encourage that if that's like the only path for you receiving support, please find who you do trust and talk to them. Talking about it is, is just number one important, whoever it is. Right. I, would, but I also feel like sometimes within faith communities, they are actually trained um, in maybe some of the, the science side of it. Um, so right. it's, it's, it's a complex issue for sure. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why here at NC State, we, we actually are trying to become more diverse and even what our staff looks like, right? So when you come right. in, on, when, and I hope this was your experience, when you come in on triage, you fill out your paperwork, you meet with a counselor, we really want to try our best to make sure you actually get connected with someone that makes you feel safe and comfortable so that it can actually be, <laughs> you have to feel fundamentally safe in order to do this work. And Definitely. so we do have black clinicians. We do have Latinx clinicians. We have a lot of first gen um, clinicians on staff. We you know, have people who speak Ukrainian and Swahili and uh, Spanish, you know, like, so all right. of that is also important. And that hasn't always been the case in the past. Definitely. And I agree with you. And I really like that question and your response because it's very powerful to realize. And I want the listeners to realize that you know, even though we do go to a predominantly white institution and there is a majority um, white working force within the counseling, the NC State Counseling Center, it's important to realize that, you know, yourself, you yourself, I can't speak for your other coworkers, but you at least have a level of awareness into the situation of different communities, which allows you to be more perceptive to like different situations so yeah. i think that I, that was a really great response to i wouldn't want you to work with someone who who didn't have this awareness honestly and wasn't going to talk about it right from the beginning you know um and and we're talking about this and i fully recognize i'm a i'm a person of privilege you know um and i also want to make sure that you know that if you come into the counseling center and don't actually get matched with someone who feels someone that you feel safe with it is also our job to get you connected with another counselor. And a lot, of right. our work, a lot of our work is actually not seeing clients on campus, but actually getting you connected with another clinician in the community um, right. that actually is the appropriate fit for you, for whatever it is you are, right? Um, whether it's you want to see a transgender clinician or someone who specializes in lesbian relationships or someone who specializes with borderline personality. It's, it, it behooves us to make sure that you actually get the best care because you deserve right. it. Because you deserve it. That, exactly. And that's powerful, personally, because, you know, um, 
I could tell a little bit of my situation too. Um, with family, you know, in black communities, especially in rural areas, um, education is low. Yeah. Funding is low for school, public schools and stuff like that. So that's obvious. You know, the majority, the majority of the community is reliant on religious based mm -hmm. um, efforts. So everyone goes to church. Every the, the whole life is just church and stuff like that and working and stuff like that. So, you know, in church, if you have certain issues that you really, you know, you don't feel comfortable expressing in church, some students or like some people in those communities will just bottle it up or just yeah. leave yeah. it untouched. And yes. then it just it just boils okay. out and then yeah. it manifests, you know, when they get older mm -hmm. and they get out and they're able to leave that community. But by the time they leave, they're not healed or they have trauma and whatnot. They're not able to talk about it. But I, I even recognize, even though I'm first gen and all of this, I meet all the criteria for TRIO requirements, I still have to realize that I am in a position of privilege to get, I'm a, I am in a position of privilege to get therapy at NC State. Yes, yeah, it's part of you your student fees. So it's like, I have to realize that if I were to go back home and say you should get therapy, they would have to pay out of pocket costs or, exactly. you know, so I have this to is, realize that too. This is a great time for students to actually take advantage of care that maybe they haven't been able to receive in their communities, whether it's because of the stigma or their parents not being able or willing to pay for it. I have a lot of students who even come in and say like, my parents don't believe in mental health. You know, like this is my first chance. Um, and, and so college, I think, is a great if, uh, chance to, to explore that and see if it's for you. And even our student blue health insurance, um, something that a, a positive from the pandemic is that our state um, insurance plan now allows students a copay of $10. So even if you're not seen here on campus, your copay is $10 when you go into the community. Um, that's unheard of. Uh, and right. it's a great thing to take advantage of while you're a student. Wow, thanks for bringing that. Because I know a lot of a uh, I know a lot of people in my hometown have like Blue, Blue Cross or yep. United Way and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I know, and I did know, and I didn't notice before. But um, if you do have insurance, you can get therapy at a reduced cost. Yes, yes, that is very true. Um, and it, it does also depend on the insurance you have, which depends on your job, which depends, of course, on privilege and other things, right? But most insurance plans include a mental health uh, byline, right? It usually falls under the specialty category. You can always flip over your insurance card. There's a phone number. You call it, and they will tell you exactly how much it costs for, for you to see someone who's in network or out of network. Teletherapy. This is another, like, great silver lining of the pandemic is that finally a huge shift has happened to be able to allow um, to, for telehealth to be considered an equal um, avenue for for mental health care and that it's actually also covered by insurance companies as well at, a, at an equal rate so and we're licensed within the state so I'm allowed to see anyone in North Carolina, which also opens up access, especially if you're in a rural community that you can actually receive care over the phone or over Zoom or whatever video platform with any clinician in the state. So that's huge for our veterans. It's huge for rural communities um, and also for continuous care. So even during the pandemic, for us to be able to send people home and know that we can still talk to you as long as you're, you're in North Carolina. Like, that never happened, even over winter breaks, that you would lose care when you when you left campus. Um, right. So it's, it's a great new thing, um, a new benefit that we can take advantage of within the mental health field. Definitely. And I and my mind is telehealth right now. But I'm yeah. not going to lie. I, I kind of want to try out the yeah, in-person Oh, yeah, that gives me first. Yeah, you should try it in person, too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So as we transition, this has been yeah. a great the first half of our conversation has been great, beneficial. I feel like we pointed out a lot of resources and, you know, got candid about what it's offered. So let's go to, um, if you don't mind, we can go to a little bit more personal. So talk about, could you before, possibly... Before, 
Yeah, okay. before we do that, can I throw out a few more? Can I offer a few more resources? Because yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Yeah, I want to just let people know that even within Trio, we have a, a mental health drop-in space. So twice a month, there's um, Trio drop-in. I happen to be the therapist that shows up. Um, hey. mm -hmm. but there's also you know if it's not me it's going to be somebody else someone shows up and it sometimes it's themed like what do boundaries sound like um, or what about imposter syndrome and other times it's just open conversation whoever shows up gets to be able to talk to me about whatever's on their mind um, the next one is November 17th by the way um, but in addition to that we have so many campus partners the African-American Cultural Center the GLBT Center, the Women's Center, these are all great avenues to actually receive support that are outside of the Counseling Center. And then within the Counseling Center, we have workshops. So you can attend like a three-time workshop on anxiety and what your anxiety fingerprint works looks like and what you can do about it. Or what about depression, getting unstuck. We also have groups, which I know a lot of times people are like, what? Like, no way, it's hard enough to talk to one person. I'm not gonna talk to a group of people. But I have to tell you, it's magic. It's magic. Right. And we have about 19 groups right now, and they're they're quite specific. So they or they can be broad. We have like just undergrad groups, right? That are anyone who's an undergrad, or we have graduate groups. We also have men of color groups, women of color groups, a Latinx group, um, GLBT, uh, Pride group, a trans and questioning group. So, um, so there's lots of different avenues to actually receive mental health support uh, even within the counseling center that a lot of times people don't know about and most of our partners like the women's center the glbt center uh, african-american cultural center the multicultural student affairs has a drop-in space also trio that where a counselor a counselor will show up once or twice a month to be able to we just kind of try it out see what we're like see that we're not totally scary and um, kind of dip your toe in the water if you'd like to. Definitely. Thank you for pointing those resources out as well. And it's just, this is just, kind of life comes back full circle because you're also the trio mm -hmm. mental health check-in counselor as well. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I love, but, I um, love first gen. So I'm, I'm there, I'm there with you. Mm -hmm. and there's, I feel I like, the system hasn't always done a good job of giving extra care where it's due, right? And mm -hmm. I and I um, love being able to support Trio in that way. Definitely, I totally agree with you. So, uh, I would like to transition to the second half of our conversation, and I wanted to just get a little bit more personal yeah. and talk a little bit about your experience and why did you come into mental health and have you ever and you can answer this if you want to or if it's not the right time you know you can also deny this as well but like what have you ever had a mental um mental health experience that just that you knew that you had to get into counseling yeah and it can be from college or yeah you know yeah I, and i'm i'm in my 40s so i have so many right, <laughs> um, right. I've, lived, I've lived a long time so actually my first um, true experience with a mental health professional was when I was in college um, and I was going through a breakup and I just was like confused and it was changing my relationship with other friends and with my family. And I was just really doubting myself and wasn't sure what was going on. And so right. I, that was the first time I actually reached out to a mental health professional that was at the small university that I was at. Um, and here I am full circle kind of, you know, being a mental health professional at a college again, it feels really meaningful. Um, another time in my life that really stands out to me was, um, I was actually my first year here in Raleigh. I had never lived in Raleigh. I had never been here before I showed up. My husband actually came for graduate school, but we showed up sight unseen, knew no one here. And we had done a little bit of moving, like we had been out of the country and kind of just showed up. And so there right. was just so many changes in moving mm -hmm. location, coming to a place with a very different culture, um, not knowing our way around, not having friends. Like I sometimes describe it as like a, a snow globe 
where there's a nice Ooh. there's a nice serene picture in there somewhere but it just got shaken up and mm -hmm. nothing feels settled right it's all just so swirly and it's a really important time to like reestablish who you are and what you care about but you don't even know what to do and and where to right. turn and your supports aren't there um and i was actually a middle school teacher at the time so that's actually my background is i'm an elementary and middle school teacher and wow. yeah so i've seen mental health kind of go through the whole spectrum right and um i was teaching and, and caring a lot and giving a lot to other people and i was lost myself and i was at the point where i couldn't even i knew i needed help and i couldn't even quite do it to negotiate insurance and the phone book and i don't know where these places even are like is it in Washington? Right. i don't even know i couldn't actually do it myself and my friend actually is the one who made the phone call and actually scheduled an appointment for me based on my insurance mm -hmm. and i showed up but i couldn't even do it myself um and i was like a grown-ass adult and um and was a teacher <laughs> at the time right but personally right. my cup was empty Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a lot of compassion when I see students who are in that place of like, it's so hard sometimes to even do the things that you know you want to do. Exactly. Um, and it was life changing at the time for me to go. And I even only saw that therapist maybe three times, but just right. taking that step, it was the first time I ever took um, medication for depression and anxiety. Um, and mm -hmm. so that was a big step for me too. And it was life-changing. It was life-changing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I would like to thank you for sharing that yeah. and being vulnerable in this moment. Cause it's, I just feel like, you know, a lot of the things that we have, like that we do throughout life, we it loses the, the substance to it because, you know, we're going through the motions every day. Yeah. We're having families, we're moving, yeah. we're doing all of this. And we don't, when we, you know, when you actually look back, it, it might be 10, 10, 15 years from now, when you actually take the time to realize what you've done, yeah. but actually taking the time to just sit in this space and realize this is the moment that you soak everything in and do that on a consistent basis. Mm. Sorry, it's a little loud. Okay. And do that on a consistent basis. It just brings, it just breathes life into all of our situations and all the experiences that we go through. So yeah. I appreciate you for sharing that. Yeah, I, um, think, I think too, like you said, like we're, we have all these things going on. And I, I think even for myself in that story, like I could hold it together when I was at work and I was a good, I was a great teacher, right? And I could support other people. But when I got home, I was, I was done and I actually couldn't take care of myself, right? We're really good at hiding it because society tells us that you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be successful. This is what it looks like being a good human. Um, and so we're actually masters at hiding it. And I hear this a lot with students. I think that's part of why I want to bring this up is that students sit in front of me or now over the computer and say like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. No one else seems to feel this way. Everyone else seems to be able to do it and show up and do their classes and still like brush their teeth. And I can't. And the truth is like, everyone's faking it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. We're, all, we're all human. Yes. No one, there's no cure for being human. Like we all have to show up and do this work. And I, I actually think like maybe part of the solution is not pretending anymore. And I, and I, in some ways, I think, again, the pandemic has allowed a little bit of that veil to roll back and for us to be able to say, like, yeah, I'm not doing well. I, it's given us permission sometimes to admit that we have anxiety. It's, right. In some ways, it's given us permission to talk about grief in ways that we haven't been able to in the past. Right. Uh, but it, it's a human condition. Um, it is. I don't want to be as good at faking it anymore. Wow. And I think... I think that is the title of this podcast. I don't want to, I don't want to have to think it anymore. I don't or, want to have to think it anymore. Why, and why should we have to? Um, it's not a weakness. It's actually our strength. <laughs> and I think part of, we're also pack animals, right? It's not just the wolf pack, but humans aren't meant to be individuals. And I think that shame of keeping it to ourselves 
is actually so destructive. It eats us away from the inside and actually not fixing it and talking about it openly is actually our salvation. And that's what, that's what mental health is about. It's also what community is about. I would love for my profession to not exist anymore. And that would actually take us all just being a better community to each other. Um, that's, you know, that would, that would be my goal is for us to be able to do this work with each other. Wow, that's, that, that statement is very powerful. And it just brings it back to the therapy because um, I could just say that when I started therapy and like till now, like I'm less afraid to express how I feel. And like, of course, you know, in, in the weirdest way, you know, when people talk about, oh, you, you uh, when you express how you feel, you're blunt and stuff like that. But when I express how I feel, I'm respectful and I still have my boundaries because, you know, there's a difference between expressing how you feel and just be, like basically taking your character and putting like dirt and like damaging your character. But you can still keep your character and say, hey, like, I don't like how you did this or I don't agree with what you said or, you know, just addressing how you feel at any moment. If you're happy with somebody and that's the thing, like just a little side note, because I'm, I'm Generation Z. So it's like my generation has a very hard time with expressing how we feel about somebody. Like we rather, we rather, um, it's it's a trend to to act like you don't care about somebody. To right, when we actually think. care really deeply. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's our, that's that's what our generation is going through. Yeah. And so, and it, feels, you know, it feels incongruous inside of you, right? Like it feels, you feel that tension inside of you when you actually do say something that you don't agree with or that you act a way that isn't actually how you feel it doesn't feel right, right it's right? rigid it's exactly. rigid and, it, and it's like our own bodies kind of respond to it it's not it there's there's a peace you can be at peace with being honest and truthful in a kind way actually yeah. kindness or honesty is an invitation to people knowing you better and you knowing other people better. It is, and I'm, and we're not saying let people take advantage of you or uh-uh. you know put just put yourself in situations where you're decreasing your value to increase somebody else's value. No, not at all. Be, being kind is having respect and love for each other, but also still staying staying true to yourself and not letting people run over you, but then also showing other people you know showing people other other people respect as well. Yeah. Now it's a difference between being too nice and no, being no, no. kind, for no, sure. No. Yeah. I. Yeah. No. Polite is um, dangerous, actually. <laughs> um, polite yeah. and following the rules makes me a little um, nervous or like suspicious because <laughs> I don't have a sense that it's actually honest. Um, exactly. I have a value around that, you know. And there's some great skills that we can learn and be taught in how to effectively communicate what we care about and what we want, or even how to say no. And again, I I wish I had learned this in elementary school, right? Um, I wish it was taught. Um, And it actually, there have been changes in that. I wanna put that out for my teachers out there. Some of this has, there has been some change around this, but effectively communicating what you're thinking and feeling um, and even being allowed to think and feel what you think and feel, gosh, that's so important. It really is. It brings so many, it, it, it creates a sense of security within yourself. And if you have, if you have security within your life, a lot of things will align, you know, your peace. If you have, a, if you're securing yourself, if you're a faith-based, you'll have a great relationship with your God and just whatnot. Like it would just help a lot of things, but um yes let me pause real quick i'm gonna go to get something to drink real quick yeah, and go, for it. Right. go for it mm-hmm. all right i'm back yep okay okay can you hear me yep i can yep oh wait sorry hold on give me one second mm-hmm. How long have you been doing this podcast? Um, I've just been doing it for this semester, honestly, and I've I done a few. This is, do I do? Am I am I good or? <laughs> yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. All right. So I'm just going to jump back into it like we did. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right. So we talked a lot about the mental health resources. We also gave our personal experiences. And one thing that you said that stood out to me was, you know, you wish that your profession didn't exist so we can all work on it together as a society. Yeah. So think with, within your living, ex, your lived experiences and your educational experiences as well. This, okay, this is the first question. Yeah. Do you think that capitalism is the root <laughs> to mental health disparities within our society? Also, if it is the root, or this can also be a separate answer, <clears throat> how can we as a, a society start to shift and start caring about our mental health, but not only just caring about our mental health, but our neighbors and their neighbors and whatnot, and it could be a domino effect. So it's a two, it's a two part question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love that you brought capitalism into this, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, right. So when I think about mental health, and we might have already alluded to this, like who benefits from me actually not attending to my mental health? Right. I think that's an interesting systemic question to ask. Um, and then who actually benefits from me attending to my mental health? So even, yeah, you know, capitalism's definitely one of the big isms. Uh, I don't know if it's the root of it all. I think before capitalism existed, um, oppression still existed and um, people maybe weren't attending to their mental health and who they are as people, even before capitalism. Um, and yet I think it's a huge force. It's a huge force. Um, even just the progress at all costs, efficiency at all costs, um, production over and product over like the workers themselves and rest. Right. Um, you know, leisure and rest are, and creativity are things that are often lost um, in well-oiled capitalist societies. And so I definitely think it's a huge co contributing factor. I mean, I think white supremacy is as well. And we see that kind of coupled with capitalism worldwide as well. I don't even know where <laughs> one begins and one ends anymore. Um, they definitely contribute to um, mental health disparities, any kind of oppression, any system of oppression. So even like genderism, and um, a binary gender, I think, even contributes. Um, yeah, so huge, huge systemic systems that um, benefit from us not actually taking care of ourselves in this way. Well, and remind me what wow. your question did that answer it? <laughs> yeah, and the second part was, you know, you answered the kind of preface to this question. Uh, how can, how do you think that we can move forward? in our mental health um, efforts. How can we move forward? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, it's countercultural. It's actually being countercultural. It's being a bit rebellious, right? It reminds me of like getting in good trouble. This is good trouble. Mental health, um, taking care of yourself is good trouble. And um, it's, it's saying, saying I'm not gonna pay or work for, for time I'm not paid for. It's prioritizing leisure and rest and nap times. Um, it's sometimes setting boundaries and saying no. Uh, it's also saying yes to the things that actually give us joy. Um, allowing ourselves to be creative, not just productive. Mm -hmm. uh, finding what makes us happy. Actually being really attuned and asking ourselves over and over and over, what actually makes my life rich and meaningful and moving towards the things that make my life rich and meaningful. When I'm 80 years old, I don't want to say, wow, I was the most efficient worker at my workplace, right? Right. That won't actually make me feel at peace at the end of all of this. I want to be able to say I cared about people. I worked towards equity and justice. I I went swimming and took naps in the sun. Right? Um, and there's a, there is a piece too that caring about myself is actually caring for my community. I can really only love others as much as I love myself. 
if my cup is empty, I can't be a good parent. I can't actually be a good coworker. Um, and so it's actually my responsibility to my community that also inspires my work on myself. I think wow. it's actually I think it's actually the path to right. to creating heaven on earth, right? It's actually the path to creating the society that I, I want it to be. Sometimes it has to start with me. Um, even when other people don't agree. Definitely. And I just want to point out, you know, as students are listening to this podcast, even if you're not a student and you happen to stumble upon this podcast, you want to work if you if you decide to go the corporate route and, you know, if you're not working in a, in a creative role or, you know, the artist and whatnot, if you go the corporate route or any route, if you work for a company that if you were to pass away can just replace you quickly, then don't even waste your time, you know, mm-hmm. going, you know, if you need money, yes, everyone needs money. But if you don't even waste your time trying to prove yourself to to that type of company. But if you work for a company that can say, hey, like, you know, this person really impacted us and we really miss this person and things are not the same, you know, we're kind of lacking our department. That's the type of company you want to work for because your presence will be missed and all your hard work won't just be for the profit and you, you know what I mean you want to you want to make an impact where you go yep. you can't like if a company that's easily that can easily replace you you can't make impact there because they're just going to replace you so and I like I like to think about this even as students so even what are some of the like myths or lies that we've loved right the things that we've believed and taken as true about what it means to be a good student like does a good student have to actually go to every class? Does a good student actually have to get A's on everything? Where, who are we as people, right? What kind of person do I wanna be even as I'm a student? Like we can start applying these principles even to ourselves now before we even get to the workforce. So what does success look like for me? What kind of person do I wanna be? What do I wanna stand for? How do I take more naps even now? How do I cut myself some slack and know that I'm my worth isn't even connected to this paper? Um, you know, I think these are great questions to ask even while we're in school. Definitely. You know, it's such a freshman mindset to say, I got to come into college and only care about school. I'm going to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to your junior year and you realize, fam- like, life is still happening. You know, you still have family back at home that, you know, you lose loved ones during college, you go through stuff during college, life is going to continue whether you submit a paper about 1159 or not, you know what I mean? So I think that there's something that that's both something that students can take away and professors, you know, like some some of my professors know my situation this semester. And actually, the majority of them have been very open to helping me and whatnot. So I really appreciate that. But for some departments and some colleges, they're not students are not as fortunate and the professor thinks that their class is the end all be all to that student's life and that's just not the case yeah I find that a lot of students the thing that they fear the most is disappointing their parents disappointing themselves or disappointing their professor or advisor and frankly I think sometimes it's okay if people get disappointed if we benefit you know I think there's a balance there we also can be considered in this situation and maybe we don't do take the research internship that someone wanted us to take because it actually wasn't what was best for us. Or, um, you know, I, I, it comes up in lots of different ways, turning in an incomplete paper to get most of the credit and walk away proud, right? Um, especially with artists, I feel like they can work on a design forever. Like there is no right. project, but to be able to say, I'm gonna work on this for five hours and then I'm gonna walk away proud and do the other things that are important to me. Right. Uh, it's Same not- Same boundaries with yourself is important. No, and that those, those um, messages of capitalism and productivity are healthy and uh, oppressive even in the academic setting. It, we, are, we are a money-making machine here. And I think we forget about that sometimes because it's academia, it's, it's supposed to help us. And yet there's, those systems are at work here too. We don't have to just Definitely. 
play always by those rules. We need to take care of ourselves as students. Exactly. And let me and let me just say this too. You I had I have I've been working internships for the past two summers and just my junior year. When I go to my internship, you know, what I learned in class is the foundation for, for what I need to know. But when I get into my when I get into my actual job, they don't say, All right, do you remember when you took that in class? No, I never All asked right, about that. No. Nobody ever asked for what I ever did in class. No. It's always, can you can you pack down the the task at hand and like the objective of this task and can you deliver? Can you get your deliveries right? If you can do that, you'll be successful at your job. But nobody's like, hey, you remember what you did in this class? Okay, you need to you need to pull that knowledge back. It's not like that. So it isn't. It isn't. They just don't tell you that because college is a money making machine for sure. Yeah. Well, and and this has been this is you know, I'm also coming from, from middle school and elementary education, like teachers buy into this too, and actually feed this line that like, you have to do all these things to get on your college application so that you'll be good enough, right? Or like this idea of scarcity, that there isn't enough always to go around and that you have to be, we kind of shame students into doing their homework and into being, trying to be the top of the class, but does it actually really matter? And this, right, um, I would rather have teachers, even in kindergarten and preschool who are more, and definitely high school, who are more interested in the type of person you are and this, like you learning how to learn in order to get the information that you need um, versus like just the numbers, right? That does, it feels hollow. And, exactly. so, and so how do we bring that to college, right? So even hearing you that you're in an internship and in class, you know, if you find that the learning you do is actually more meaningful in your internship, how can you spend, prioritize some of your energy into what actually benefits you, which is your learning, and kind of take a little bit, you know, from one pot and put it in the other. So maybe you don't do as well. You don't read all of the text. You don't do all the paper. You don't even go to all the classes. Uh, but then so that you have more energy for your actual internship, right? I mean, exactly. it's decisions that we all make, but you don't have to just, you, you have a choice. You could, you have a choice in the type of person you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I want to open up the floor to you to see yeah. if you had any questions from a student perspective. Yeah. You know, I, I really early heard you say that you were from the class that experienced COVID, like your whole college experience has been under the veil of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm curious what sense you have of what you maybe you've missed out on or what you've gained as someone who started the, your freshman year and then had COVID came a little bit as a sophomore. It's always been part of your existence. You don't know what college has been without it. So I'm, I'm curious just from your perspective, what that means for you. From my perspective, I would say that COVID, um, I lost a little bit of, uh, of the transition period and the not even just the transition period, but the transformative period that was supposed to happen from freshman to sophomore year, to sophomore to junior year. You know, in, in high school, I was a freshman. I was a sophomore, junior, senior. Uh, freshman year, beginning in high school, I was freshman year in, in high school and college. It was new experiences, me making my mark on whatever I was, me creating the new identity for that new situation and, you know, enhancing my old identity and also getting rid of some things from my old identity. You know, that's all the part of the process going into, you know, freshman year of anything. Um, Then sophomore year was like, okay, I'm solidifying from freshman year, but I'm still young. You know, I'm an underclassman. I still have two more years. But in college, in this um, specific situation, I didn't get that. So I feel like, excuse me, I, I feel like I still have the mindset of a sophomore. Yeah. Because I didn't get that year of experiences yeah. to develop truly. Granted, I did what I did what I could safely, yeah. of course. You know, everything was mostly closed, so you really couldn't go nowhere to get to but get food. So I did do that, but I didn't have the 
teachers in, in sophomore year telling me, oh, y'all going to be juniors next year. Y'all need to get on the grind. You know what I mean? Yeah, just that it, sense of community. Yeah, exactly. So that's one thing that I lost. And, you know, as a, as a junior now, I can say that going through this whole coronavirus situation has, you know, created a, a level, a layer in my, in my existence that I can speak to for, you know, as long as I'm on this earth and, you know, and just have many, many different points and many different struggles to pull from, of course. And, you know, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of having to struggle to to be successful but you know I, I can't I have to validate the fact that that is my life I did struggle and I am you know becoming successful too but it's just because I use my struggles to get stronger and, and build off of so that is that's the benefit to this whole situation as well you know and plus I would love to go to grad school uh-huh. and you know just to tell them hey like maybe I'll get a little a little leeway you know what I mean I didn't yeah, <laughs> So hopefully yeah. they, they show a little bit of grace, but like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's in this current moment, I would say this whole experience is too hard to quantify to yeah. a 30, a 30 to 40 minute conversation. This is something that's going to affect everyone for the rest yeah. of our lives. I can just hear it in your voice and, and even the sense that like, it's the story is unwritten yet. Like we will continue to see how this unfolds and how how this affects who I am and how I see the world. Definitely. And, and, how, and how it affects your continuing education as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, a lot of times that a lot of our suffering comes from our own expectations. Mm-hmm. And then when there, things don't happen as we expect them to, it a cause for a lot of our expectations within relationships, um, you know, what we think our parents' expectations are and how that makes us feel inside. And I feel like with college, there's also a lot of expectations. Uh, one of them that comes out a lot is that college is supposed to be the best years of your life, right? That's something that we're kind of told over and over. Yeah, that's... Right? And that's then the expectation accurate. that it's supposed to be, well, then if it isn't, then what's wrong with me, right? What's wrong with me? Because it must not be college. Um what's why isn't this the best years of my life so i would i would put that under the categories of like lies i've loved right or like thing myths myths about college i'm curious if you've come across some other things that you've kind of disproved or like you recognize that that was a myth now about what it's like to be at school definitely so the first thing i would just like to comment on was the best four years of your life thing College is is not the best four years of your life. And the reason that they tell you it's the best four years of your life is because as soon as you get out of college, what do you have to do? Get a job. And what does that job want you to do? Consistently work for them for the next 30 to 40 years. So, of course, they're going to incentivize college to be the best four years of your life because they want you to maximize your fun potential in, in the span of four years so that when you get ready to work, it's like, all right, your mind is already like, those were my best years. So now I guess I need to work and just support the, the machine. Okay. That is so false because <laughs> it's hard. Is, college is this, hard. <laughs> yeah, college yeah. is hard. And it's, it's fun, not automatic right? friends. It's not automatic relationships. It's not automatic exactly. anything. Yeah. Exactly. It's and hard to me, navigate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's also, it can be fun. It can be fun. There's fun to be had. But for a lot of people, it's not actually the best years of life. For some people, it might actually be the best years. But I wouldn't say that across the board. <laughs> like, true, true, uh, true, true. There's, there's, there's good times still coming. That is true. Mm-hmm. But, that One thing belief, I would... but that belief can be really limiting, though, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, in your experience. So I'm curious, maybe some of the other kind of maybe limiting, limiting thoughts or myths that you've come across. Well, uh one of the first ones that comes to mind is your GPA. Now, yes, granted, you do have to have a a good GPA, but GPA is not the the determining factor of whether you get into a great grad school or not. It's it's holistically, truly. um, GPA requirements are are like a threshold. And so it just, everything's a filtering system. You know, NC State, when they are getting undergrad students, it's, it's a filtering system, you know. If you meet this certain level of requirements, you go into the funnel of potential candidates. If you don't, then you don't make it into the funnel at all. That's just logistic things. That doesn't matter. 
So GPA, um, finding a job after college, like, yes, you should find a job, but you know, if you, if you need a year to figure things out or a year to regroup after your four years, that's totally valid too. You know, one thing that I see for other people is like, they feel so behind because they see their peers getting, you know, jobs and stuff, but it's like, Hey, like you got your degree from a top notch university. So it's like, first you need to validate that. And, you know, one thing that I want to leave as a gem for students that listen to this podcast is like, I would say that in college, this is the only time that you're going to have 30,000 people in one place that have <laughs> the same, the same, I, I mean, in a way. On have the same, same agenda. Yeah, mm-hmm. on the same agenda. So you can confine yourself to your major. You can confine yourself to your dorm. You can confine yourself to your, you know, prescribed community. But once you get out of college, you're going to be like, ah, I wish I would have connected with that creative. I wish I would have connected with that artist. I wish I would have connected with that engineer. Don't be the wish you wish you could or would have. Don't be that person. Be that person now and say, hey, I know that I need to create a massive network of people that, and I'm not saying that just use people in college because there's some very talented people in college. What I'm saying is find, find people out of your box and your circle that are doing something completely different than you are. Become friends with them and then support them through their journey. And then that, you never know, you know, you may wanna, you, you may be in tech, but you might wanna do, you might wanna paint. So if you're, if you're an engineer and you, you don't talk, know anybody from the college of design, you're not gonna be able to transition to that. But if you're an engineer and you know somebody from the college of design, you can say, hey, like, I'm thinking about switching to this career. What, what do you recommend me do? So I feel like the biggest advice that I've been telling myself and like going through, is don't be afraid to get out of a box because yeah. a box is limiting. It's a box for a reason. Yeah. I, I, there's so many things that make me excited about what you're saying. One is that like, I am a firm believer that like solving the world's problems, it's not going to come within one department, right? So we actually need to be cooperating and thinking, having representatives from art, design, biology, business, right? In order to solve any of the significant problems that we have. So why not start sooner? I'd love to see more collaboration within within the colleges. Um, so that, of course, makes me excited as a per, on a personal level that you want to be friends with people who think differently than you um, and for that experience. And then I also love the idea that you can always change your mind. So when you realize you're in a box, you can bust out of it. If you decide that you want uh, you're in biology and you want to go into design, you have reserved the right to change your mind at any at any point. You can graduate and get a job in marketing and then realize, eh, it's not what I like anymore. Or I actually have really great skills in management. I'm going to go into management. You, you, it, life is dynamic. You are at any point allowed to, to continue to grow and shift and change. Um, exactly. And I hope you do. Right? <laughs> it, makes, it, Thank makes, you. <laughs> it makes life exciting. <laughs> it does. You know, I'm, I'm definitely a person that's, that tries to go against the grain. So mm-hmm. I want to continue to be that way and go with your just, grain, right? Go with your grain, even if it's against other people's grain. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Live your values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I oh, really, I'm excited. Uh, oh, it's, I, I love talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We definitely are, can continue our conversation outside of the podcast, yeah. but I just have to show my appreciation for you coming on today and I know you probably have a busy life and you have a lot going on with your life so I want to just appreciate and show gratitude to the fact that you took the time to do this with me as well um is there anything you would like to say to our listeners before before we wrap it up I know I think I started by saying like this is hard because it's hard and I've thought about tattooing it you know like on my forehead but like just to validate that all of your emotions are are your emotions and they can actually give you a lot of information about what feels right for you and what feels wrong for you and um you know i i want to make space for people to explore those parts of themselves right and whether it's with a counselor on campus with a counselor off campus 
um, I really wish the best um, for people and really wish our students um, the ability to have access to the skills that can help them show up in their lives in the ways that they want to, right? Um, that's what gets me up in the morning. Um, and even, yes, I'm busy and I wanted to make time for this podcast because this is important to me, right? It aligns with my values and it makes me really excited about the future, right? You're, you're younger than me. It makes me so excited about the future that you will create in the workplaces that you will work in and, and the ways that you show up for your classmates. Um, so a, a wonderful opportunity for me to be here. And I also just wanna reiterate that students are welcome to contact the Counseling Center. And if we're not able to get you connected within the Counseling Center, we will get you connected with the appropriate resource outside of the Counseling Center within our community. Um, and then we love doing it, it's our job. It's not just our job, we really love doing it, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I would encourage students from a student. So like, you know, it's different from hearing it from a professional, but from a student's mm -hmm. perspective, if you don't take care of your mental health in college, it will come back to bite you, mm -hmm. period. And it's I'm never serious. too late. It's never too late. Yeah, it's you know, never like, too late. Um, and it, there's different types of counseling for different seasons of your life, you know, whether it's couples right. counseling or grief counseling. Um, it can be, life is wonderful and challenging and um, mm -hmm. there's no reason to not reach out. Definitely. Thank you, Ms. Wallenbeck. I really appreciate you and everything that you do. Welcome. Definitely feel yeah. free to contact me anytime. And I awesome. really appreciate you. Likewise. And I'm sure Likewise. our listeners do as well. Thank you yeah. so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I Feel free to contact me anytime. Or if you even just need like a little soundbite or anything, I'm, I, I want to be able to support you in this project. It's important mm -hmm. to me too. Thank you. Okay. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about Student Support Services at NC State.